Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. We're only two days removed from OIS at ASRS. It's happening on Thursday in Boston at the Sheridan Boston Hotel. If you haven't already signed up, I hope this podcast will convince you to be there. We're going to talk with Emmett Cunningham, of course, the uh, one of the founding co-chairs of OIS, about the program that he was instrumental in putting together. Uh, we hit all the high points. You'll definitely uh, understand why you should be there and what the important issues facing ophthalmology are in the retinal space and and what the takeaways we hope will be from this event. So please do give a listen to this uh, conversation with with Emmett. And uh, if you are just for whatever reason unable to make it, I do have a bit of good news for you. A few of our panels, uh, specifically the Seed Stage panel and the OIS Innovator Award will be available on Facebook. So uh, like the Ophthalmology Innovation Summit on Facebook, and you'll be able to watch uh, those two presentations live starting at 11.20 on Thursday. But you should definitely be there. Listen to this podcast. You'll understand why. And then go to OIS.net, take a look at the agenda yourself, and then register so we'll see you in Boston. Now let's hear from Emmett Cunningham, co-chair of the Ophthalmology Innovation Summit. Emmett Cunningham, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you, Tom. It's great that you're taking a few minutes to uh, to review our upcoming uh, agenda of uh, OIS and ASRS. It's happening on Thursday in Boston, so I uh, can't believe it's here. But let's uh, let's start. I know you're going to open up the meeting with your retinal and innovation highlights. Any any uh, any hints on on what you'll be talking about up there? It's an important year for retina, and I will touch on some of those points um, to be disclosed in three days. Uh, it won't quite be it won't be the tour de force I do at AAO, but uh, I'll try to make it as relevant and timely as I can. I'm sure it'll be great. And following you will be uh, the the publicly traded companies, not the big ones, but we're looking at the sort of the the the, the leaders at I guess the mid tier level. Uh, why is it important to have retina public com- retinal public companies or ophthalmology public companies presented at an innovation summit? Well, I think two reasons at least. First, uh, they want to be presented. They want to be heard. They want people to know what they're doing. Um, And conversely, others want to hear, in fact, what they have. These are unique companies, I think, in that they're not Pfizer. They're not uh, Novartis. These are not companies that have multiple pipeline candidates and or or drugs that they're advancing for. These tend to be single or double, perhaps in some instances, triple product companies many of which uh, don't even have products in the approval sense. They're products that are aspiring to approval. And so they're, they uh, sort of feel almost like private companies in the, in the public arena, and that's what we wanted to highlight. So they're highly innovative, they're high growth potential, and uh, I think you'll hear some great stories in that session. Great. And, and we'll run along this agenda as it plays out, as it will play out during the day, but I'll skip ahead just this one time. At 1110, we'll have public market trends in ophthalmology. Uh, Andrew Gitkin, the head of West Coast Biotech at Piper Jaffray, will be giving us an overview of the public space. Uh, that's right. And Andrew has done uh, this for us before and has done a great job. And we, we wrestled with whether or not to pair it with the uh, public company, company showcase. Perhaps some would have thought we might have thought we should have, but we've put it where we typically put it at the end of the morning, just so that we could have the company's company presentations kick off the day. 
And the, the Retina private company showcase, this is the, the OIS, the I standing for innovation. So we're looking at the, the smaller companies as well. We've got a few newcomers uh, on stage. Do you want to go over the lineup a bit? Well, we have, um, as people will see when they're either at the meeting or, or if they go to the agenda, we have Stealth Biotherapeutics and ONL Therapeutics, Translatum, Medicus, Proforma, and Drusolve. And my guess would be that most people have not heard of all of those companies. Uh, we've we've received over over time over the meetings, and then we've now done, well, I guess, nearly 15 of these meetings that people wanted to see more emerging and more earlier companies, and so we've tried very hard to pull some of those in um, by reaching out to them. Uh, some of the very earliest companies that are seed stage and not yet institutionally financed um, either don't aren't aware of OAS or don't don't believe that it would benefit them to be at OAS. I, I obviously disagree with that. I think they want to get out. As long as, as long as their IP is secured, I think they should tell the story. <laughs> Absolutely. It always helps to, to build momentum and, and get financing ultimately, which is what they all need. So this is uh, at least uh, two or three of these companies have not been um, been presenting regularly at OAS. I think people will enjoy the, the newness of that session. Terrific. And then at uh, at ten ten, this is a, an interesting uh, session. It's Retinal Imaging two thousand seventeen improved trials through improved imaging, and uh, it's a different uh, a different structure than we have with other other sessions. Can you give us a, a bit of an overview of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, imaging is key to I think virtually all aspects of ophthalmology, whether it's cornea, glaucoma, uh, or retina, but it's particularly relevant and, and burgeoning, I would say, in the retina space now. It's, uh, you may have heard the, the term multimodal imaging, which is uh, what we use to, to refer to the fact that we use many, multi, many imaging modalities to image the retina, and they help with diagnosis and management uh, at every level. In addition to that, there's the the very relevant aspect of how to use imaging to improve clinical trials. And we wanted to get at that in this uh, session and and have people talk about some aspects of OCT and some aspects of some surrogate uh, markers that people are just now starting to think about using in clinical trials to improve enrollment or to improve uh, endpoint measurements and, and success rate, maybe to decrease the timelines and the cost. So I hope this is the first of um, of a continuing uh, highlight uh, for retinal imaging. I think it will be. It's a very active area, but we'll see. We have some great speakers. And the next panel at 1120 uh, will cover really important topics, seed stage financing. You've got four fantastic uh, uh, investors there who have uh, uh, really terrific track records. And the moderator himself isn't too shabby, <laughs> Ali Valiani from, from NEA. Uh, how did this? Uh, what was the, the genesis of this of this panel, and what areas do you hope that they'll they'll cover? Yeah, we well we we like to have financing uh, market money talks at all of these meetings because it's part of the equation, and people need to be able to raise funds to do what they need and want to do. Uh, seed stage financing, these early stage financing, both for drugs and devices, is the most challenging, and so we've just thought we should continue to highlight this area, and we wanted to bring together people who. Are Financing from different perspectives. So, Mark Blumenkrantz, for example, is, has a fund that that provides money for these seed stage uh, companies, um, as does Afiras Rahal and Christy Schaefer. But they all do it a little bit differently. Christy's perhaps more, through her role at Hatteras Ventures, is perhaps more of a, a, a more established uh, Series A funder, whereas Mark might be bridge to Series A. Same with Firhas, and Firhas may even be a little bit earlier. And then Angela McFarland, of course, uh, runs the Labs incubator, which is more than just financing. It's a, it's a, a lot of hands-on 
involvement with company creation. So through the four of them, we thought we could touch on lots of important issues. And it's a great lead-in to, uh, to well, following lunch, we'll have the uh, OAS Lifetime Innovator Award, and, and we're, we're very happy to be giving it to, to Mark Blumenkrantz, who is, is of course, well-deserving. How long have you known Mark, and, and what makes him qualified for this award in, in your mind? I don't think I got to interview you for the video. So uh, what, what makes Mark Blumenkrantz so special? Well, many, many things. Um, he's, he's done uh, lots of uh, innovative uh, things and activities throughout his career. He was, of course, a very accomplished uh, retinal surgeon, uh, private practitioner, then academic chairman of, at Stanford, where he built, continued to build, I should say, expanded a, what was already a very good into a great department. And he, across that time, through, through I would say, uh, 20 to 30 years, I, I'm not sure that I have an exact number, but the latter half of his professional career, started to become interested much more actively in innovation and so has um, helped found and create and take to, to exit a number of companies, many companies in the retina space, and on the imaging side, on the treating side, on the device side, the drug side. And now is transitioning as he's left Stanford, the Stanford, Stanford chair role into a, what I would say would be a largely an investor role. And I just think it's, it's quite rare in our, in, in our space to have someone who's bridged private practice, academic practice, uh, um, at the level of a chairman of a major United States department and then into investing an entrepreneur, serial creation, et cetera. And so I, I'm hopeful, I think, I'm sure it will be a very interesting discussion uh, for Mark. He's a very deserving uh, recipient that probably should have been, been given sooner. But I'm glad we have him up there, and, and I hope we'll have a, a nice discussion with him. I'm sure we will, and I've also learned he's a hell of a jazz pianist and a tennis player as well. So he's a man of many skills. Uh, following the, the award presentation, we're going to be covering three critical areas within the retina, and it's... The, each segment is, is, uh, um, is structured similarly. We'll have company presentations to start, followed by the, the, the clinicians sort of speaking about the space. I, I really like the, the, the mix of industry and, uh, and medicine with, with these presentations. And the first one we're tackling is combination therapy and AMD and, and DME, which has been obviously an area that's received a lot of positive and negative attention over the, over the past year. Uh, what, what do you see as the, the key issues in, the, in this particular segment? For combination therapy, the key issue is: uh, does it work? Uh, we've we've now had a, a couple major failures with the PDGF uh, trials, both at Regeneron sponsored and Optotech sponsored. Uh, the industry had huge promise for that combination therapy uh, working and providing benefit to patients. And then this year itself, we now have readouts again for combination. This time with an angiopoint two inhibitors. Through the, through the Regeneron trials, which I believe will be the first to read out probably shortly after ASRS, and then uh, for Genentech's trial with a bispecific antibody. So uh, hugely important uh, this uh, for combination therapy this year. If we don't see any added benefit with those therapies, I think uh, people are going to go into, into retreat when it comes to funding these multimillion-dollar trials to, to ask whether combination therapy works. Um, so I think it continues to be front and center for AMD and DME. Now, it's totally appropriate for us to highlight it in this way. Um, I will just say, uh, touching back to our opening comments about what um, what is important for this year, both past and in the immediate future, in addition to these combination trials, this is a very big year for, for ophthalmology and retina in particular, 
uh, either toward the end of this year or early next year, we'll, we'll hear a readout from uh, Genentech's lampalizumab trial, which is factor D inhibitor complement inhibitor. And we've had multiple failed complement inhibitor trials in the space. And so what was at one point still is, I assume, the most promising target for dry AMD for sure. If that trial fails, and again, we're back to the drawing board and we will have to scratch our heads and come up with another approach. And we also have Genentech's ladder trial, which is sustained release of Lucentis, um, a very robust trial, which will come out either toward the end of this year or, or next year. So it's a very important year for retina. And then following that segment will be retinal drug delivery. What what is uh, what's most interesting about this space, and how did it find it? How did it find its way onto the agenda? Well, I touched on one of them, which is the latter trial and the yeah. um, and the uh, the importance, and that'll be talked about in in this session by uh, John Pollock. Um, but we we're seeing now, I think, the emergence of compliance or forced compliance through sustained delivery as uh, the next or a next uh, big goal in, in therapeutics, in retinal therapeutics, perhaps in, in much of medicine. We recognize it from many indications. Uh, patients just don't take the drugs intended, and that when they don't take the drugs the way they're intended, they have far superior, far inferior, sorry, far less efficacy than we see with clinical trials. And so we, we believe that if we can help them with their compliance through sustained release, that we'll get better efficacy. And we're, we're just now starting to see that um, come, to, come to fruition, I think, with some of these novel approaches to sustained release. And the companies that have been selected to present here are all sort of on that cutting edge with promising technologies, ClearSide, Graybug, Ocular Therapeutics, and obviously Genentech uh, Foresight with their, their device, which, as I said, is in phase 2B now. And we'll wrap up with another area that's that's received a lot of attention, and uh, legitimately so, gene and, and cell therapy. We've uh, we've covered this space considerably, and uh, I, ex- I expect it'll be a, a fascinating conversation. How do we we come up with the companies that we're we'll presenting here, and uh, what do you think? Well, some of the highlights of the the conversation the panel may may hit upon, or maybe. Well, it's uh, it's an important area, gene and cell therapy, and it, it, it's perhaps the, the most science fiction-esque area of uh, retinal therapeutics, which clearly works. We have now through Spark Therapeutics uh, uh, what is a clear drug effect with their gene therapy, or a clear effect, I should say, therapeutic effect with their gene therapy, which I, I, I'm sure will get approved uh, with time. And we have a number of companies in, in the gene therapy space, more than cell therapy, that are, are advancing uh, in the sector to address important unmet needs through conditions. How did we pick the companies? It's a very interesting question. Um, it turns out that some of the companies are, are fairly stealthy and do not particularly want to present uh, publicly about some of their things. And so I would have, frankly, preferred that this session had five companies presenting to get a more representative spectrum of which companies are presenting. But, uh, for example, Stellis, who has uh, an active cell therapy program, chose not to present. They just didn't want to present at this meeting. Perhaps not that unexpected for a large uh, public company like Stellis in that situation. But we've selected what I think are representative companies that are active in the, the gene and cell therapy space. And that, I think, will provide a platform for the the panel participants to discuss the promise of this sort of approach. And I, as I, uh, as I look down in, at the agenda and recall, I'll be moderating this, so I'll 
do my best to keep their feet to the fire <laughs> to, to give us the latest. I'm sure you will. And we'll we'll wrap up the day with a, a familiar sort of presentation, but not the same. It won't be a, a Masters of the Industry. It's called Corporate Retina Future Directions. And uh, Gil Kleiman will actually be leading this conversation. And it's nice that we have a, another tier of senior management within ophthalmology representing all the all the leaders. How did this uh, this format come together, and uh, and what are you looking for from this panel? Uh, yeah, it's a couple comments. First of all, Jim Mazur does a great job with the Masters of Industry, and, and it's uh, it's an irreplaceable uh, moderator and panel. And so we're not looking – we weren't looking to replace or in any way uh, – duplicate his panel, which we'll have at AAO. Uh, but we did think that it would be nice to bring together leaders, but perhaps a different uh, different group of leaders, leaders who drive the innovation more than the business thinking in these organizations. And so this uh, this panel, which Gil is going to run, and Gil does a great job bringing the best out of uh, the panels and the people, uh, this panel will uh, bring together those those who are heading R&D organizations um, at various companies, Aragon, Zeiss, and um, Novartis, uh, Santen, Regeneron, and Genentech, to talk about where the where innovation is going, what they see as the great unmet needs, the great approaches, the promising targets, et cetera. So I think that'll be a, a wonderful way to, to wrap up this meeting um, and get us ready for AAL. Terrific. And just final question, an overview of the uh, of the program. This is the second one we've done. Uh, what is your takeaway from having an event focused exclusively on the back of the eye? It's, it's, it's I think, being received well. The, our, our numbers are up. It's going to be a bigger meeting than last year, and that's always a great barometer. But how important is it to have a, a, a single day where you're just focusing on, on the retina? So we, we've we wrestled with this issue of how many OIS meetings to have and, and whether they actually address what the, the people want and uh, any unmet needs, so to speak, that are out there in the innovation cycle. And at the end of the day, as AAO has gotten more popular and bigger, now we have about 1,000 people attending that major meeting, which itself has probably forty to 50,000 people, uh, we found that we just can't dive into areas of um, of, of great therapeutic detail, whether it's glaucoma or dry eye or retina in this case. And so we, we made our first foray into more specialized meeting at ASCRS, which we do in spring that now has about six or 700 people attending again for a meeting with about 1,800, which is ASCRS. And there we focus on anterior segment things like dry eye and glaucoma and others. And we've just always thought that retina would be the natural third meeting in, on this stool so that we could address those important posterior segment conditions. And of all the retina meetings, the, the best attended, uh, the most um, uh, sort of likely to have the, the constituents that we, we value, which are the investors, the industry people, and the thought leaders, was ASRS. And they've been very, very good about having us join their meeting in a collaborative role. In fact, we have as the co-chairs for this particular OIS, the president and vice president of ASRS, uh, Mark Amaya and, and John Pollock, and we'll be rotating that every year. So yes, it's uh, the second ASRS meeting. It's expanded to a full day. Uh, we The enrollment is up at least 50%, I hope more than that. And that's impressive to have three or 400 people for uh, a national meeting that itself only has about 12 to 1,500. And we'll, we plan to continue doing it and expand it and make it more interesting every year. Terrific. Well, I appreciate the, your taking the time to, to go over the agenda, and I look forward to seeing you in, in Thursday on Thursday in Boston. 
Absolutely. See you in three days. And that's a wrap. Emmett Cunningham, thanks for joining us on the OIS podcast. And of course, for all the hard work you do for OIS, including the upcoming OIS at ASRS event on Thursday in Boston. As I, uh, as I noted, I hope this uh, conversation about the agenda convinced you to, uh, to join us on Thursday. I hope you'll be there. And if you are attending, please do stop by and say hello. I'll be doing interviews right there in the lobby and would love to, uh, to talk to any and many of you. So please do stop by and say hi. And uh, that's it for this podcast. Let's uh, let's get together on Thursday at OIS at ASRS. Again, go to OIS.net, register, and we'll see you in Boston, my hometown.